Hi everyone, welcome back to the Yoga Biz Podcast. It's Meg here, your host. I'm really excited to have on another incredible human being on the podcast. I've been doing a lot more interviews and I've just felt like it's been incredible to have people come on here and talk about what they're passionate about, what they're experts on. So today I have on Christy Callahan. You might recognize Christy's Instagram handle, Chubby Lotus Yoga, and she just hit 10,000 followers, I think the day that we recorded this episode. So we get into a lot of different topics in this episode, but I want to give a little bit of information on Christy herself. So she's a 500-hour registered yoga teacher, and she's a yoga educator through the Yoga Alliance. She specializes in educating yoga teachers on plus-size inclusivity. Now, Christy, in this interview, goes into her personal story, which is really, really interesting and unique, and she shares it beautifully in this interview. But she talks about going from being a teacher in a straight-sized body to having an injury, gaining about 100 pounds, and then having to kind of switch her perspective to teaching from a plus-size body. She educates yoga teachers really lovingly and in a really supportive way, not only over on Instagram, but in her programs on how to really support people who are in plus size bodies. And that goes beyond just the language used in your class. She talks in this interview and also in her teaching all about how yoga studios can do this in their marketing, in their space, but also within our classes. So her whole mission is to make the yoga community feel accessible to larger bodied yogis. And she just does that in such an incredible way. I super enjoyed getting to know her in this interview and I will absolutely be having her on again. So I hope you enjoy. All of her links will be down in the show notes. Definitely send her a message on Instagram if you take anything away from this interview, which I'm 100% sure that you will. And let me know what other topics you want to dive into on the podcast so that I can have her on again. Hi, Christy. Welcome. Hi, thank you. It is so good to have you. I have been wanting to interview you <laughs> for my <laughs> listeners. We had so many scheduling conflicts. I had a bunch and then you got sick and it's like, I feel like this interview has just been so hyped up in my mind, which is awesome because I am a recent follower of yours on Instagram, but I feel like I've become a raving fan in a really short amount of time. Oh, I love that. And so I reached out to you on Instagram to have you on the podcast and it all just kind of like... I would say it all happened seamlessly, but it really didn't. It happened just like exactly how it was supposed to happen. So yeah. <laughs> I, I, and also for my podcast listeners like to hear my weird stories, I'm sitting on the floor of my bedroom because there was also a scheduling snafu in my household and my pit bull is like rolling around on her back next to me <laughs> and there's Pikachu in the background of my video and you have this like beautiful office plants and everything i oh, i love you. your backdrop thank you it's actually my dining room it's not even a cool office <laughs> well, it's a beautiful dining room at first i thought thank it was like you. a virtual background because it was oh so oh i love that thank you <laughs> all right so let's dive in um i think i'll just start by asking you to tell me and my listeners a little bit about yourself obviously to the level of like your comfort tell us your story and a little bit about why you became a yoga teacher and what you're like currently 
actively doing right now. Okay. Um, thank you so much. I'm super excited to be here. Um, so I actually tried yoga for the very first time in the year 2002 and I was plus size at the time and I tried a yoga for weight loss, uh, DVD and, uh, Needless to say, probably it went horribly. Um, it was the biggest loser that program they had put out this yoga DVD. So I tried it in my living room one day. And as I was um, leaning forward in a forward fold, uh, seated forward fold, my stomach was in the way and I couldn't feel the stretch. I got really frustrated and I just laid down and I cried and I thought, okay, yoga is not for me, not for my body. So fast forward about seven years, or I guess to 2006, however long that was, um, I had lost a lot of weight and was really active and I decided to try yoga again and it went really well. I absolutely loved it. I became completely obsessed and I had a very athletic practice, um, a lot of you know, power type yoga, inversions and handstands, all that stuff. I absolutely loved all that stuff and was completely obsessed with <laughs> yoga. And I decided to become an instructor in 2010, really just because when I find something I love, I just tend to want to teach that thing, whatever it is. Um, but I didn't have any of the yogic mindset. Truly at that point, it was a physical activity for me um, that I really enjoyed. It was in opposition to my other activity, which was, you know, boxing and self-defense and stuff. So it was a really, just I had a really fun, active, you know, time then. Uh, and then fast forward again, several years, you know, I'd been teaching all that time, teaching power flows, you know, vinyasa, things like that. Um, I got injured and put on, um, quite a bit of weight, about a hundred pounds fairly quickly. And, tried as I, as I was gaining weight, I had taken some time off because of my injury. And when I came back, um, I could not do any of the things that I used to be able to do. All of a sudden I couldn't do crow. I, I really struggled in binds and all these things. And, um, I was really, really frustrated and didn't know what to do. And so I, decided to go to a bunch of um, like beginner classes thinking they would teach me how to use props. I had no idea how to use props and um, hoping that I would learn how to, you know, figure out how to do yoga in this like whole new body for my, you know, that I was experiencing and was very frustrated in most yoga classes. I was completely ignored by the teacher Um well, pretty much every yoga class I was ignored by the teacher. If I was struggling, nobody helped me. Um, and really, I didn't recognize at the time that they should have said something. I just thought, you know, it's me. My body sucks. Um, I had a lot of struggle with self-hatred, um, you know, body hatred, just really punishing myself um, for what I was experiencing. And so then, I go, of course, I went through again, like maybe yoga isn't for me. Maybe it's not for, you know, bigger people. And so 
Um, I kind of put it on the back burner for a couple of months, but then at some point I realized, no, that's stupid. So I kind of set out to make a library of like modifications, you know, is how I thought of them at the time. I tried to seek out some other online yoga teachers that were bigger, but a lot of them at that time were, you know, big into showing the athleticism of a plus size body. So they weren't necessarily teaching to move your body to use, you know, props and things like that yet. So um, that didn't come until a little bit later. So I was still just really frustrated. So I thought, well, okay, I got to figure this out. Like there's got to be alternative ways to do these poses so I can still participate. So, um, and then it just kind of moved from there. I hadn't really been teaching, um, much other than some online classes at that point. Um, but I tried to build up this library of, of what I could, you know, at the time called, you know, pose modifications, where I just was completely, you know, changing the pose to make it work. Um, and then it just changed. I took my 300 hour uh, yoga teacher training with Crystal Gray and it was an amazing experience. In one of the classes she led, she said, and she's very thin. She said, pick, um, if you're like, we were doing a twist, like Marie Asana C. And she said, if you know, your tummy is in the way, I mean, not to me directly as she was cueing, you know, just move it over the leg. And it was literally the first time I had ever heard that before. Um, and it was life-changing for me. I, I did that and it was like, oh, my eyes were open to this whole new world. And so then my practice started to flourish again. I realized like I can move my boobs. I can move my tummy. Like I can do weird things that no one is specifically cueing me to do. And all of a sudden my practice was like blown wide open. Um, and so then I just kind of, from there, I've just been building. I was teaching plus size yoga, um, you know, online. And then I kind of switched to teaching teachers how to teach <laughs> plus size yoga. And that's just kind of where I'm at now. And it's been an incredible journey being on both sides you know, being a, you know, a, a more medium size person and a plus size person on both sides to experience everything in between as a student and a teacher. Thank you so much for sharing that. And your story is so unique. Cause like you said, you've, you've seen the practice from so many different lenses and angles. And something that really sticks out to me is like your resilience through the process, because I feel like it, if it was me, like, I think it would be so easy to see a space that you don't feel included or welcome in and just be like, kind of like what you mentioned, be like, okay, this isn't for me. Goodbye. Yeah. What do you think had you coming back over and over, even though maybe the teaching was frustrating and, you know, we can get into like a, a little bit more about like the teaching. Cause I like yeah. to think that those teachers like wanted to do something, but like didn't have the tools. And that's like a, a I think a component of the larger industry itself. Yeah. Um, but just, I'm like, just curious why you kept going and, you know, that's a really good question. I, I don't know, to be honest, I, maybe because I was a teacher and I enjoyed being a teacher. So I think, um, 
I don't know. And I can't, I couldn't just count out something I had loved so much. So I think, and I had wanted it initially just to get back to that type of practice, you know, where I could be bouncing around and floating and flying and all that. And so I think it was just the tenacity was probably due in part to both of those. I couldn't just let go of something I loved. And, and I was, I was a teacher. And in my mind, it was like, I'm a teacher. I yeah. Figure this out. I think that's a great question though. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's really like hearing your story and, and exploring all of this from different perspectives. I feel like I, I just keep coming back to this idea that like ignoring something is not inclusive you know, yeah. if you see a beginner in your class struggling, if you see someone with a body that's different than yours struggling, I think as a teacher, it's so easy to just like keep on keeping on and yeah. be like, I don't. And I think part of that comes from a space of like, I don't ever want that person to feel called out. Right. Um, But I think the industry just doesn't give teachers a lot of tools to or language. Yes. To support you know, people of different bodies. Right. And that's why I love your platform so, so, so much because Thank you, I mean, you touch on these topics in a way that is like not shameful, which I love. And it's really actionable. Mm. Uh, you know, like, I feel like whenever I go through your Instagram posts, I'm like, oh, like, that's a good way to say that. Or that's a good way to think about that instead of just like, oh, gosh, I did this thing in class and maybe someone felt left out and like you feel that flood of shame. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like how do you how do you support teachers in being more inclusive in their classes and like do you ever do you ever get like really tired of having to like fight this battle? Well, thank you for touching on this. I I think it's really important what you said that first of all, teachers I, I mean, I can't imagine any teacher would ever ignore a student or not help them because they just don't want them there. And that that's, you know, part of how most, you know, plus size people would feel for sure that internalizing what's happening as I don't belong here, they don't want me here. So they're just going to ignore me. And, um, you know, I can say pretty confidently and, um, you know, a little embarrassed, but if I had a plus size person in my class before, I would not have known how to help. And I don't know how I would have responded. I really didn't have many and I, or any at all. I don't remember that ever being a thing, um, you know, and, you know, so I have a lot of empathy and compassion for yoga teachers because I think, you know, most yoga teachers are very tenderhearted toward, you know, their students and, um, while there may be, you know, levels of, well, you need to get it together. You know, I'm not going to help you. Um, you know, I think that is present sometimes, but I don't think that on the whole is the thing. And so I, I also know that in this current culture, there's a lot of shame being pushed on all of us for all sorts of different things, you know, and, um, so the last thing I wanted to do is make slim yoga teachers just feel ashamed for being slim yoga teachers or like, um, that they are terrible because they haven't done these things or they didn't know to do this or whatever. And I think that, um, shame is something we so desperately need to get away from shaming each other. And so that's really where, you know, my heart comes from a place of, 
I want you to know it's okay that you don't know to do this. Why would you know the the like you said the teaching industry the culture does not support teachers in anything other than learning like an average. I hate to use the word average, so I'm using air quotes. Um, <laughs> but like the average body, you know, all of our books are around you know slimmer figures, and so um, yoga teacher trainings just don't include this at all. Um, and so how would you know, you know, even as a plus size person, I didn't know I had to literally figure out why all of the sudden my arms couldn't bind. And, you know, so, you know, I don't expect people to know that, you know, and no, I don't really get tired of this battle at all. Um, you know, I have a really amazing community on Instagram and I have not had, you know, many issues, you know, sometimes I get frustrated hearing, you know, some similar mindsets over and over again, because you feel like you're in your little bubble on Instagram. You're like, yeah, everybody gets it. And then you have somebody comment and they're like, oh yeah, there's still a whole world of people that don't get it, (laughs) you know? So no, I love the, I love the journey right now. I absolutely love it. Yeah. That's, you touched on so many important things, which is like, the norms of the industry, like you said, I don't think there's, I I, want to believe that there's no teachers that don't care, you know, Mm -hmm. like any teacher that, you know, was, if we directly asked them, they would be like, yes, of course, I want everyone to feel included in my class. Yeah. And I think there is a degree of responsibility to learn. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, especially now that there's resources, um, yeah. there's more, there's definitely more, like you said, you know, you were, you said you got certified in 2010 and you started yeah. practicing in early two thousands, which it's yeah. so weird to think about, but like, there was no, I feel like there was no resources back then. Whenever I interviewed, um, Jivana Heyman yeah. on here, he, like he was talking about his, um, experience starting the accessible yoga Academy and how it was like, you know, groundbreaking because the stuff, a lot of this stuff is new. So I do want to say like for any listeners who are diving into this, like one, don't let the shame that you feel for maybe like ways that you've taught in the past or things that you've maybe said or classes that you've taught where you didn't know what to do, let Mm -hmm. like stop you from learning yeah, or trying to be better. Um, But I think what you mentioned is like a lot of people, a lot of teachers actually don't necessarily have to deal with this because I think there's a larger issue like I'm using my hands to indicate like a level up which is (laughs) like I think studios and spaces that like market yoga to people have a responsibility to make people in plus size bodies feel included so that teachers are actually have those people in their classes right you know like thinking about the classes that I teach in person like you said hardly ever do yeah. I get a brand new beginner and hardly ever because the way that the classes are marketed by maybe a space that's outside of my control, they don't really have the kind of language in their marketing either. Yeah. Um, right. Which I think makes the work that you're doing all the more important because studios and studio owners and organization owners need that language too, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm working on something specifically for studios and and for that exact reason. Like, how can you make your studio feel safe and inclusive? It's a good point. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about ways that studios can make 
can make their space feel more inclusive or like things that you've seen studios do really well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's, um, I think diversity in your teachers is really important. Um, You know, and you can't really control who applies to be a yoga teacher at your studio, but diversity in yoga teachers, bodies, everything, body sizes, ethnicities, cultures, like all of that is is really nice to have in a studio. You know, when I look at yoga studios in my area and I'm in Arizona, I see the same yoga teacher, not literally, but the same physical type of yoga teacher in every studio. And, and I get it. You really cannot control who applies to be a yoga teacher at your studio. So that's, you know, a lot of times beyond your control, but it can still feel very exclusive. Like, oh, no one's going to understand my body you know, and what I need. Um, so that's one thing. Um, and then another thing would be to, if you carry plus or if you carry clothing, this is a big one, you know, it really sucks to, you know, go into a yoga studio and, um, not ever see your sizes and the clothing, like the clothing runs from like extra small to sometimes a larger and extra large. And as a plus size person that sends a message pretty clearly that like, well, I shouldn't say pretty clearly, but it definitely sends a message like, Oh, I still don't belong here. You know, um, like nobody has clothes for me that I can wear. I can't wear the cute t-shirts everybody else is wearing or tank tops that say whatever, you know, that one, that's a big one. Um, and then putting in your, in your, um, actual, your website, your advertising, talk about, you know, bodies being welcome, you know, but you don't want to just say it like you need to back it up with training, get your teachers trained and then have it in their bio that these teachers are trained to be size inclusive or whatever accessible. Um, and then lastly, a big one is in your descriptions of classes, notate accessibility notes, you know, we're, you know, mat, mat work is required or you're, you know, you're going to be getting up and down from the mat. Um, you know, so people can make a decision based on the information, not a guess like, oh, maybe this will be okay for my body, you know, but they can actually decide based on having all of the information. And then I said, lastly, but I, this is lastly, (laughs) um, having a wide range of classes, not just having, you know, like a beginner, you know, and a vinyasa flow, like that's what you see a lot, like beginner and then vinyasa flow and maybe a power, maybe a yin, but have like a true beginner's class, a beginner class um, that's truly for beginners. And then I'm a big believer in, in instead of leveling, having, um, and this is going to get into a much broader conversation, so I'll keep it really brief, but having foundational classes instead of, you know, have your beginner and have your foundational classes. So people that don't want poses, you know, the more advanced poses, they can, um, so go to foundational classes and not be called a beginner. Cause that feels terrible when you've been practicing yoga for 15 years and you're going, you know, you feel like I got to go to this beginner class and, and that's a pride thing. So that's again, another rabbit hole to get into, but, um, yeah, I wish that was more succinct. I'm really sorry. <laughs> no, that was, that was perfect. I mean, you mentioned so many important things 
And I'm not going to lie, like flags were going off in my head where I was like, no studio that I've ever taught at has that, you know? (laughs) Um, In fact, like, I honestly don't even know. I live in Raleigh. I don't know that many places that have foundational or beginner classes. I feel like most of them are just all levels vinyasas, the occasional beginner like workshop. Mm, which honestly yeah. is just a tactic to try to get new people into the studio, which is fine, but because yeah. it's, it still supports the, the students, but it yeah. really is just like a marketing tactic. Um, <laughs> carrying plus size clothing, like, ugh, like there is not a, a more effective way to tell someone that they don't belong somewhere than to literally <laughs> not sell something that would fit them. Right. Yeah. You know? And I get that, like, you know, you run out of stock in certain sizes and you restock and stuff, but like, I mean most of the places I think that I've worked definitely don't have above like a large or an extra large, um, yeah. you know, in, in pants. And in, I also think, um, you, you touched on something like you brushed over it pretty fast. I think it's a really important thing that I would love to dive into for like a whole other episode, which is get <laughs> your teachers trained. Yes. I think that's yes. so important. Like teachers are responsible for doing trainings, but I also think, studios hosting trainings to make sure everyone's on the same page about exactly what we're talking about here you know um me and my business partner host like a trauma-informed teacher training and we talk about inclusivity in terms of like bodies gender race yeah all different types of people and we try to get studios to pay for their teachers to Mm. do this training and they never want to yeah. And it's so crazy. <laughs> it is crazy because then a t- like a student could go to a teacher's class, have a great experience, feel really welcome. And then the next teacher maybe doesn't have the same tools. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a good point. I think it's just so important and it's, you know, again, it just keeps bringing up that same concept of like ignoring it and kind of being vague in your language on your website and in your marketing is not being inclusive. Um, And I feel like that's kind of the safe way to do it. You know, like a lot of studios around here say like, everyone is welcome, all bodies welcome, everyone this, everyone that, like you said, are you backing it up with the actual practices? Right. Yeah. The training. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's it's not just necessarily time on the mat. You can be a teacher for 20 years and still have no idea how, how to be trauma sensitive, how to be size inclusive, how to, you know, because how would you know to do that just magically? You know? <laughs> right. Of course not. Okay. The last question I'm going to pose to you um, is more for just like the individual teacher who might be listening, who maybe teaches at multiple studios and feels like, okay, I don't have that much control over the way that the studios market. And while I do think it's important to have those conversations with like management at studios, what are some ways that just like a yoga teacher within their own class yeah, can hold space in a more inclusive way? And these don't have to be like big, crazy changes, just anything that comes to mind for you. Okay. Um, it's such a good question because you're right. It's, it would be hard if you're feeling like, well, I don't have control over that, but you do have control over your class in particular. And, um, you know, one thing is to not be ashamed of talking about moving your body. Um, you know, the more 
the more like you can say even to a room of thin people, get it in your vernacular, in your your everyday cueing. But you can say if your tummy is blocking a deeper stretch, you know, just you can move it. You know, you just add that into your cueing and it's going to feel really weird and it's going to feel awkward um, because people feel like, oh, if I say it, then I'm going to make somebody feel embarrassed or ashamed. No, you know, no, just say it. Um, because the more we are afraid and ashamed around body parts and moving bodies, the more we kind of continue this narrative that a bigger body is bad, you know, and when I get into that in a post that I did the other day, you know, like there's a, there's some fat phobia in there, which I really don't like to toss around that phrase. Cause I feel like it can be really shameful and I don't mean it in that way. You know, we live in a culture that doesn't like fatness, you know, we just do. Um, and so just give yourself a break, say it in a silly way. You know, like I say abundance of fluff, you know, if you have fluffy stuff, your squishy bits, if your squishy bits are running into other squishy bits, you know, like you can keep it really lighthearted and just talk about moving your body around. And it's extraordinarily and, you know, um, empowering. And like I said earlier, I learned this from a, a very slim yoga teacher that I'm sure doesn't have any tummy <laughs> to move over anything. But um, I mean, she literally changed my life by making that one cue. So I just want to empower you to have some grace for yourself and know that it's going to be awkward. It's going to feel weird, but it's okay. No one's judging you for saying it, but say it, you know, um, and you know, you don't need to ever go and call out a student, you know, individually. And that's a question I get a lot. Like, I don't want to go help them one-on-one. I don't want to make them feel embarrassed. You don't need to do that. You cue, um, like I always tell people, cue the most accessible variation of a pose first, you know, and then you can give choice-based progressions of variations and options of the pose for the people that want to take them. Because the more options and choices we give people, the more we're empowering them for their personal agency to um, decide what feels best for their body today, right in this moment. And just doing those, those two little things. Um, now, I mean, I say little, but learning variations for all the poses is a process, you know, that does take time. It's not just, you're not just going to know those things probably. Um, but you know, that's where you, you know, training comes in. It's really important, but you know, hold, hold that space for your students without your students having to ask or show that they're suffering. Um, and just know that plus size people a lot of times come with trauma, um, a lot of trauma from being in a world that really does not appreciate them for the body that they have and the space that they occupy. So the likelihood that they're going to raise their hand and be like, my stomach's in the way, like they may not even recognize that that's what's blocking. Or that's what's causing an issue. And they may not come to you after and say, it was really hard. You know, I can't figure out how to do this. Can you help me? Like they're probably going to keep it to themselves because they have heaped that shame onto themselves that they're the problem. They suck. Their body is horrible. So I think just kind of understanding that, um, you know, and 
just holding that emotional space for them and also for yourself. Compassion for yourself is really important. You know, keep your heart tender toward your students, but also toward yourself. I love all of that so much. Thank you. <laughs> I, I do. I love I love it. And you say you say it in such a like again, actionable way. Um, something I really want to highlight for my like my teachers out there that like actively teach. Um, is something that you said about like do it even when there's not someone in the room that you noticeably think could benefit from it. Yeah. Because I think it's less about like, oh hey, like I have a plus size person in my class. I'm gonna change class for that person, or I have yeah. someone who looks like they're a beginner mm-hmm. and instead normalizing props and variations yeah. and things like that was something that really changed my teaching practice this year was I like challenged myself. Um, I had a group like every week at noon on Wednesdays that it was like the same group and they were very like advanced. They knew their bodies. They never really mm-hmm. used props. It was like a classic Wednesday afternoon. Crew. Yeah. I challenged yeah. myself every week to teach with a block you know Mm -hmm. to always start with a variation that had a block and no one used a block at first it was just me up there with like (laughs) my hands on a block saying like block here or remove the block and then slowly I noticed people started like occasionally using a block Mm -hmm. yeah I love that it's there's a lot of shame around plot you know props and yeah I, I would not, I did not know how to use props because I, in my mind, your teacher would walk over and hand you a block if you sucked at a pose. Like that was my brain, you know, and that was my experience. If I'm totally honest, like that was my experience in studios. And it's like, you saw somebody else getting handed a block and you're like, oh, that sucks. You know, yeah, <laughs> like that's a very performance-based mindset, which is just the culture, you know, yeah. um, yeah, there's a lot of shame around using blood. Right. Or feeling like you want to take a variation or feeling like you want to opt yes. out of a pose altogether. And I think I think teachers do hold a lot of power in changing that narrative, at least within their own class. Mm-hmm. And I think that really can start like by just normalizing these things in all your classes, no matter who's there. Yeah. And then, you know, when someone with a body that's different than yours walks into your class for the first time, you're going to be much more equipped. Yeah. And a lot more confident. There's like a confidence yes. piece to all of this. When you start to change your language yeah. in classes, I mean, that, that takes a lot of confidence. Yeah, it does. And, it, and mindfulness and, and then not beating yourself up and it, it's, it's hard. It's really hard. Yeah. <laughs> it takes work. Yeah. And grace towards yourself, like you said, like being really patient, patient with yourself. So can you tell my listeners a little bit about like anything that you have coming up, even if it's later in the year? Um, And of course, all your links will be in the show notes. Okay. Thank you. Um, Yeah. So I'm launching my first um, actual training that is for yoga teachers. It launches in September. It's been in beta testing for a while. Um, but this is an extremely um, in-depth, uh, holistic approach to teaching, you know, all size bodies. So it goes into, um, well, a range of things from, you know, your own, your own thoughts, your internal thoughts to props, to variations, to making your studio welcoming. It's just very, very, very holistic. It's not just here's some variations to learn. Um, which I think is important. So it's just a very deep dive into 
um, that, and I'm really excited. So that launches in September. Um, and I forgot the other part of the question you asked me. <laughs> I already forgot it too, so it's okay. I think I, I think that's all I asked. What? Okay. Like, whatever. <laughs> They'll be able to find us. Jeez. <laughs> We're a hot mess. This was so lovely. Thank you so much for coming on. And I have like, I literally bookmarked like four more topics that I want to dive into with you. So okay. I will absolutely be having you on again. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It was super fun. I know as we were talking, like all these things were coming to my brain, like, oh my goodness, we need to dig into these things that you don't realize it until you're like saying it out loud, like, holy moly, you know? So thanks so much for having me on even through all this crazy. It's good. I mean, it's complicated. And that's another, another thing that I wrote down that I wanted to touch on with you, which was like, these are hard topics. Mm -hmm. These are not easy to talk about. They're not simple or, you know, binary they're very gray area both and and i love digging into all of that and i think you do such a beautiful job so thank you so much for being on and i'll and i'll definitely talk to you again soon okay yay thank you